For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> Yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Yeah, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, heaters. Welcome to episode 82 of Half Street High Heat. Thank you for joining us, as always. I am Amanda. You can follow me on Twitter at AWhite7877. You can follow my Gasconading co-hosts, Nick and Ryan, on Twitter as well. You can get them at HalfShackCap and at DCNatShack. And you can follow our digital media coordinator at One Pursuit Takes, our blog coordinator, Monty, at MDT 06181815 and the show at Half Street High Heat. What's up, fellas? How was your week? Jesus, call me gassy. Uh, gasconating? You're going to have to look it up. I'm afraid. It, it's gassy, and which you're not wrong because, you know, <laughs> we were going to make dinner tonight. And so, you know, I've been having problems. Yeah, I love Wegmans. Wegmans is my go to. Now, if okay. I was still living in the South, Wait. Publix would be my number one. I love Publix. I'm always team Publix, but you know, Wegmans is Wegmans. Okay. But you know, due to COVID or whatever the reason may be, they don't sell the good packs of chicken breast anymore. They have like this nice gold pack of chicken breast there. There's eight individually packed chicken breasts. So you don't have to, you know, open the whole thing at once, you know, like the big family packs you'd normally get. And then when you open it, everything's exposed and you have to freeze it or do whatever. Right. But that's why I like the Wegmans ones, because not only is it high quality, they're individually packaged. So you can really control, um, you know, you can control it better, both cooking and, you know, exposure wise and all that stuff. Right. But they haven't had them. They've had, you know, the pre-marinated ones, which, you know, they may as well not marinate them because they don't taste like anything when you cook them. 
but they don't, haven't had the individual one. So, you know, I've, and I don't want the family packs. So I got chicken from giant. That chicken from giant was not very good. <laughs> so Is that uh, we, let's bring this back. How did this, how did we get from flatulence to this story? What? Oh, because uh, we had to pivot because the chicken was not good. So, you know, it, by this point it was like seven 30, we didn't want to wait, you know, an hour uh, for food. So we just got Taco Bell. Oh, well, there you go. That brings, yeah. brings it full circle right there. Exactly. Well, let me offer you a piece of advice, which is that Costco sells 10-pound bags of chicken that are individually flash frozen breasts. So you can just open the bag and take out like two if you want them and then just close the bag back up and put it back. See, that might be the – because when I, when I was living alone, like um, I had a Costco membership, but obviously Costco is more geared towards families because you can buy in bulk, which is like smart. But, you know, for when it was just me, it wasn't really – worth it um but now that you know it's not just me anymore and we're like obviously splitting splitting everything and you know that that might be the move because i do love the churros from costco as well and that's enough that's enough to make me want to you know sign up for another year it's probably worth the price of the membership just the access to the churros yeah but they have no free samples so is it even worth going it is tough. My daughter is funny for the longest time after COVID started and whenever we haven't taken her almost anywhere since March, poor thing. And she still, that's what she asks about. She's like, can we go to Costco and get the samples? And I'm like, I'm sorry, sweetheart. No, we can't go to Costco and they don't have any samples even if we did. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, whenever you talk about your kids, they sound great. Okay, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I do have some concerns because... You know, you, you talk about how your kids don't watch TV, they don't play video games, and they don't like sports. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear Addie at least likes the samples from Costco. It, it makes me have faith, some faith restored in you and your husband that you're not completely ruining your kids. Wow, that's the most backhanded-ass compliment I think I ever heard in my life. <laughs> but it is a compliment. <laughs> barely, barely. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> i'm glad you got that reference ryan <laughs> so um i guess we can do our let's up, give our weekly updates so what are you guys been up to this week other than eating gassy taco bell yeah. food so finn like i said he's an avid listener on the pod um he had a really good week this week it's really weird he sleeps in on sundays don't know why but he doesn't wake up until six on sundays and it's actually pretty funny um but i made homemade calzones on saturday i made homemade Mm -hmm. tomato sauce which might be the greatest thing i've ever made in my life um i kind of went on my own for it too so like i have grandma's recipe so and like 30 75 whatever years my great grandkids are gonna be passing down to theirs because that's gonna be that amazing Ah. Um, did, the, did the dough i did the cheesy uh, garlic bread everything right but i am going to flex a slight humble brag and flex on you two and every single person listening to this right now oh um, so i'm not in the elite group that gets the covid vaccine next week as we all know <laughs> um the covid vaccine is going for first responders next week um, I'm not a doctor or a nurse on the code unit, so I'm not in group one, which is, I mean, I run the Nats podcast. I should be getting this right, but my job title is under group two. So I'm in the second group to get the COVID vaccine. So they haven't, they haven't put a date on it. They only put a date on group one, but come the new year, 
stab me up. I should be getting the COVID vaccine after the new year. And I'm going to get like tattooed on my forehead. I have the COVID vaccine and just flex on like every single person, make like my own business card about like, oh, sorry, you don't have the COVID vaccine. Well, I do. And uh, yeah, that was just my slight humble brag that I get the COVID vaccine soon. I don't think it was especially humble. (laughs) It's actually going to work if you get it tattooed on your forehead, because when your second head grows from the COVID vaccine, you'll still have that one clear. to go so by the time june comes around and everyone else gets it i can report to you guys what weird things are happening to me so you guys know what to expect when uh, yeah something not so chill body. happened <laughs> the weirdest thing um i started buying microsoft products like bill gates man so. oh jeez, yeah <laughs> so that'll be great yeah well i don't have any uh, way to get the covid vaccine early but what i do have and my big news for the week is uh, we bought a Rockbox pizza oven, which is this crazy, like, portable pizza oven that's propane-powered, and it gets to, like, a 1,000 degrees, so you can make actual, real, like, pizzeria pizza. And it is the best thing ever. Your calzones that you're so proud of, I'm sure they were phenomenal. Stop. Would have been I was literally so much making better. them when you sent that picture. I was like, my <laughs> oven doesn't get that hot. <laughs> yeah, and I think Nick made a crack about the hot stove not getting that hot either, but yeah bringing a little baseball that was me. mention there. That was me. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, it is phenomenal. This thing is so stinking cool. And um, we've cooked pizzas for three straight nights. I am a little bit sick of pizza, but the oven rocks. So there. that's my big news for the week. Yeah. Um, my news, I don't really have any, although I do have a slight aquarium update. Uh, oh. two, two fish have died. Um, there's an unknown oh. virus going around fish tank. <laughs> Life imitates art. Um, yeah, so, life. you know, might have to get, you know, the, the second batch of the coronavirus for my fish tank as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. This fish tank is, like, so complex. And, you know, it makes you just want to get, like, a goldfish because I've never had any problems with goldfish. Or if you never want to sleep again, you could get a kitten. I thought you were talking about the goldfish, the food. I was like, I love goldfish. <laughs> you had never had a problem with those goldfish either. <laughs> those are delightful. I do love goldfish. There are a lot of goldfish at my house. We have what I like to refer to as free-range goldfish, the ones that the kids drop every damn where. And I find them all over the house in the corners. <laughs> so the free-range goldfish. In between the couch cushions and stuff? Just get a oh, yeah. oh, God, everywhere. And it's you know where it's worse is in the car because that's always my go-to snack for them in the car. Which the one benefit of the fact that you can't go any damn where is that my car is way cleaner than you, it has been. Didn't you just get a new car semi-recently? Yeah, but they don't ever go in that car. It's like a small commuter kind of car. That's my work one. But we have a minivan. True, true. For- no, you talk about car snacks that reminds me when I was a kid I used to love craft cheese singles um like I've upgraded to shredded oh. now like a grown man um <laughs> but like I would always want like a craft single so like when I was acting up the car my like mom a slice would, of American cheese yes my mom would always <laughs> give me a slice of American cheese I remember whenever I got upset I would throw it against the window then the cheese would get stuck on the window and it just reminded me of that so you guys oh are welcome <laughs> I used to put cheese on window when I was upset when I was like three years old yes <laughs> as one does I don't know. I can't think of any better way to express frustration. <laughs> Sorry. We'll start doing that now. Yeah, it wouldn't be weird at all. 
All right. Well, <laughs> you as get you mad can... while driving. Just throw a piece of cheese against. The I'll tell window. you, this is. Yeah, the back seat's like, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> and someone cuts you off. You just throw a piece of cheese at them. <laughs> you throw it out their window. <laughs> So your passenger, be, where the where the hell were you keeping that? Like, why do you have cheese? Also, like, what so that'd be good. <laughs> oh, good lord! Well, you know this is scintillating listening. I, we had a very exciting week. Clearly, um, the week in baseball was not much more exciting than our week, which is a good segue into uh, Ryan's weekend review. Yes, while there's not much, but there is still enough information have a pretty good week review the winter meetings came and went and as a tradition it was scott boris's time to shine this time taking shots at the owners he said no team lost money last year he said they're using this they're using the COVID losses as an excuse to hurt players' values. He cited the fact that MLB refused to release financial records and noted that their TV contracts, the reduced operating costs, and reduced payrolls are enough proof that they actually didn't lose anything. This comes a mere days after another high-profile agent said the owners are using COVID as an excuse to disenfranchise the free agency process and ruin players' values. This is not a good sign for the owners as you're entering the final year where the CBA expires. The Phillies hired Dave Dombrowski, who was originally focused on bringing baseball to Nashville. Once he was told that COVID hurt that timeline for expansion, he decided to sign a four-year $20 million contract. He was named the GM and president of baseball operations. This is a pretty interesting move considering last week, owner John Milton was crying poor and said they need to rebuild again. But the Phillies signed a GM who has a long history of doing whatever it takes to win, including depleting farm systems, taking on big contracts, and spending big. He said he plans on retooling the Phillies to get started. The Cleveland Indians are no more. Their rebrand has finally come to an end, and they're expected to announce a new name this week. I saw someone on Twitter say that they should name themselves the Cleveland's We Can't Afford Francisco Lindor, and I thought that was really funny, so I'm giving a shout-out here. <laughs> um, to player rumors, the Yankees and Dodgers have checked in on Francisco Lindor because both those teams need another great bat. Tony La Russa took a plea agreement for less charges for his DUI. Corey Kluber is going to throw a bullpen in front of a dozen teams someday this week, and the Rays are indeed shopping Blake Snell. Yankees and DJ LeMayo are reportedly $25 million apart. The Yankees offered $475, and he wants $5,100. This is a typical tactic to get another team in to drive up the price, and people are told not to read too much into it. The Mets are indeed in talks with Springer and Bauer, and as one exec said, they would be shocked if Springer went anywhere else besides the Queens. There were a flurry of free agent moves this week, actually. Carlos Santana signs with the Royals. He signed a two-year, $17 million contract. James McCann becomes the first player to sign a deal longer than two years. He signs a four-year, $40-plus-million contract, and he's head to the Mets. Not bad for a lifelong backup catcher. And now... What's the ultimate sign of a good signing? Is it everyone bringing up all the horrible things you've said? Is it cut four, which is associated with Major League Baseball, making fun of you? Is it everyone bringing up how you're in a steady decline since 2017? Is it the fan base of the team you signed with saying they're selling their tickets and calling the team idiots because they signed you? Or mm. is it you hanging up on your introductory radio interview? Well, for Adam Eaton, 
all of this was true as the Twitter world laughed at the White Sox and the Nats said goodbye in a very weird two and a half minute long goodbye video. Adam Eaton signs a one-year, $8 million contract with the White Sox, and he is now their problem. This Week in Review has been brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's, and all of us here at the Half Street High Heat Gang wish all those a very happy Hanukkah to all those who celebrate. This has been your Week in Review. Hey, Ryan, I got a question for you. What's up, man? You know how in baseball, you, when a ball's dirty, you, you switch it out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't do that, you know, us guys, right? Well, I have a solution for you. We're talking Manscaped. That's right. New sponsor on the pod, Manscaped. You know them. You see them around. They are the best man's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. You know, we don't want any foreign substances on those baseballs you got there. Manscaped can take care of you. I've been using Manscaped for a couple years now. Got onto them early. You know, no big deal. I'm an OG. But Manscaped just hooked us up with some, some new gear. Lawnmower 3.0. You know, still the same great tool that I've been using before, but now new and improved, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. However, Manscaped, no, nah, that, that, that's not their, 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 uh, their way, right? They make it better. Not only is it more ergonomically designed, more, uh, you know, user-friendly, handheld, whatnot, they added a flashlight. Sounds like a, a small deal, huge deal. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, precision, get close. I mean, I just got married, you know, just saying. Manscaped has changed my life. And right now, Half Street High Heat has got you covered. It can change yours. Use promo code HSHH20, Half Street High Heat 20, HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. You know, that, that's a big deal. You, you, you see something that you like, you see, and then they're, they're shipping. You don't want that. But Half Street High Heat got you covered. 20% off, free shipping. Use promo code HSHH20. Christmas, right around the corner. Perfect Christmas gift. Check it out. Yeah, All right, I'm going to unmute myself now so I can stop laughing. <laughs> it's, it's the holiday season, right? Like, you guys don't know what to get. HSHH20 promo code. Use it on Manscaped.com. Yeah. I love it. Love it. It's good stuff. We all got we all got a package full, no pun intended, of uh, all of the. Uh, <laughs> I kept it pretty gear. clean. I for the you first. You kept it pretty clean. For the first manscaped saying. ad, I kept it pretty clean. <laughs> just wait till I do my read. All I'm gonna say is I know I'm actually um, like dreading slash can't wait for Ryan's first read, but anyway, all I can say is obviously I don't have the uh, equipment to use these items, but my husband's a fan. So we'll just leave that at that. But check them out. You guys are going to love the products. They're super high quality, super good stuff. HSHH20, 20% off free shipping, you guys. Go do it. You'll thank us later. All right, moving on. Let's do our Nats bat. Not much to talk about with the Nats this week, but there were a couple of things. Um, talk that they're interested in Schwarber. Yes. How do you guys so, feel about that? Um, former half street high heat guest um this is what that's what he's actually known for jesse doherty 
noted that the Nats are interested in Kyle Schwarber. He had two separate sources within the organization confirm their interest in him and that they have had some discussions. He also noted that they have had discussions with other outfielders and they are monitoring the out uh, the market as a whole he starts talking about how deep this outfield market is and shorber is someone who's caught their attention and like honestly i kind of like it you can get him for cheap and like looking at his numbers 2016 towards acl 2017 he struggled in his first year back hit 30 home runs 2018 and 2019 um were his best years he's only he's like I don't know, like three full years in his career because he had this torn ACL pretty early. Um, in 2016, he hit 26 home runs. I'm sorry, 2018, he hit 26 home runs. 2019, he hit 38 home runs. In 2018, 2019, he hit an OPS of 850 and an OPS plus of 120. For example, an average OPS plus is 100. So he's about 20 points above average. That's a pretty good power bat. We know he has 30 plus home run power in him. He is a little overrated because he was on the 2016 Cubs and what he did in that postseason this year. So again, he has big game experience and he we've seen him. The dude hit freaking tanks. Lost to Bryce Harper in the home run derby though. Shout out uh, Nick and I were there. But uh, we were all there. Thank you very that's much. Right. Well I went I went with Nick, so that's why I gave him the shout out. Um <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. So like he's honestly really good. And at the end of the offseason, if you told me that the Nats signed Kyle Schwarber in a right-handed power bat, I would say it's a pretty good offseason. If Kyle Schwarber was their only bat, I would be a little concerned just because of how many needs they have. But, like, you can get Kyle Schwarber for one year, probably $10 million or less, and that's a pretty good deal. It's low-risk, high-reward, and it lets you do things in other places that you couldn't if you signed someone long-term. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, it kind of reminds me or is similar to what we would get in a – Jack Peterson um, signing. Jack Peterson, I believe, is a little bit younger and probably a little bit better defensively. But you know, for all intents and purposes, they're they're bringing the same thing to the Nats lineup. We wouldn't sign Jack Peterson for his defense, and we wouldn't sign Kyle Schwarber for Kyle his Schwarber defense. Kyle Schwarber is seven months younger. Okay, so you know, basically, Jack push Peterson's there. twenty-eight. Kyle Schwarber's twenty-seven. Sorry. Gotcha. Thank you. So essentially, a push for age, but. Point being, we're not signing either one of them for their defense. So I, I like it because I've been on board with the Jock Peterson, you know, idea. And I'm perfectly on board with Kyle Schwarber idea. But, you know, with the caveat that Ryan just brought up, that it has to be uh, in conjunction with other moves, right? It can't just be Kyle Schwarber is our prize of the offseason. If any team says that, you know, you're in trouble, right? Like, look at the Royals. The Royals have made two, you know, pretty eye-popping moves for players that the Nats could, were or could have been interested in in Mike Miner and now Carlos Santana. Oh, I thought so, you meant Michael A. Taylor. So did God. I. <laughs> God, no. Um, I know. I just know. wanted to say that to make you be horrified. Right. So as long <laughs> as, you know, we do, if we do that, as long as we do, you know, more to support that move, I'm all for it. But if... You know, we're not going to do anything past Schwarber, then what's the point, man? You know, it really doesn't make any sense to just shell out money for the sake of shelling out money. You might as well just let Keeboom, Garcia, and even Stevenson, you know, kind of get regular playing time and see what you have for a whole year, which I don't think is a thing to do by any means. Just saying, you know, Schwarber's fine. Just do more past that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Although I like a one-year deal for Schwarber. I I, I've oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go any more than that. No, I think that's all he's gonna get. 
maybe yeah, a I second think year right. that he's going to be a get one year. Maybe I a just, team option, but I would. I don't think I've come to the conclusion that they're not going to be spending much. I think that a lot of teams, the Nats among them, are just too. Um, uncertain about what's going to be coming the following year that they're not going to go out and make any big signings. I, I just don't, I just don't see that happening at this point. I hope I'm wrong, but um, I don't, I don't mind Schwarber. Although I looked at his numbers last year and of course, 2020 COVID weird year, all of those caveats, but he slashed 188, 308, 393 and 224 plate appearances last year, which is pretty dismal. So I certainly wouldn't want to give him more than one year. I'd like to see if he can have, a bounce back year and i'm actually curious to see i saw they were in on carlos santana whom they obviously didn't get but i wonder if they might try him out at first base a little bit so one um, one note on schwerber his if in that sign him his slash line does not matter the only thing that matters for him is his home runs like he would literally just be signed to hit home runs um he did have 11 last year and 2020 is a hard year to read like his main goal would just be hit their home runs. And if they did sign him and he hit 30 home runs, that's a successful signing. Um, and, oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. You go ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to talk about Santana. Uh, I was just going to say with Shorber, when you have someone like that in your lineup, you know, you bat them fifth, sixth, and hopefully, you know, some of the guys earlier in the lineup can get on base. So obviously, you know, increased RBI opportunity for the home runner bust type hitter. Someone like Tommy Lastella makes a ton of sense because he gets on base a lot and he's inexpensive, you know, relatively speaking, you know, to anyone else in that market. Right. I, it just makes a ton of sense. And, you know, I want him on the team because, you know, Coast Carolina alum, just like me. But also, I just think he makes a ton of sense. He has positional versatility. And, you know, if we were to get someone like Schorber. Again, we want someone on base with Trey Turner. Hopefully, you know, well, I guess not hopefully, but if Juan Soto doesn't clear the bases, then Juan Soto would be on base too. It makes a ton of sense. But go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, so changing topics to Carlos Santana, the Nats were in on him. Um, it appears they came in second. Um, it's Which is good to hear, even yeah, though like we lost. Like, okay, like they're doing something. He would have been a good get. He is a switch hitting first baseman. Um, it's unknown if it was the second year or the 17 million AAV that they didn't want to match. Um, Carlos Santana would have been entering his age 36 season. So hopefully it was the second year they didn't want to give to. Or maybe they just didn't think he was worth nine and a half million. He would have been a good get. Hopefully it's not the nine and a half million AAV they're worried about. Cause if it is, it's going to be a very interesting off season. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting um, in a bad way. Very interesting in a bad way. Um, he would have been a good get. Also, maybe the reason why they didn't is because they have plans for Zem coming back. Or maybe the fact that they went and tried to sign Santana shows that Zimmerman for next year is not in their current plans. That was what I was going to bring up when we talked about Santana, because why have we not heard anything about Zimmerman? That to me is if he wants to come back, then that seems like the no brainerest thing ever. Like they would bring him back on a cheap deal. So why hasn't that been announced yet? With Zimmerman, they're going to do what we saw last offseason. Zimmerman was the last person to sign because they knew he wasn't going anywhere else, right? And it's going to be the same case this year. If Zimmerman comes back to, you know, have a, a goodbye tour or whatever, you know, it's obviously going to be with the Nats. He's not going to another team. He's not signing a minor league deal with the Mariners. Like, none of that's going to happen. So the Nats can, you know, afford to make other moves and keep Zim waiting because – 
essentially, you know, if we want to talk business, the Nats have all the leverage. They know Zim's going to take, you know, a cheap deal. He's not going to go to other teams and try to counteroffer or anything like that. Zim will take the bare minimum to finish his career with the Nats. And, you know, both parties are fine with that. So, you know, I don't think he's necessarily out of their plans just because we, you know, might have signed Carlos Santana. I don't think that necessarily would have ruled out Zim returning. I just don't. Because Zim's not, is, yeah, Zim's not a, an everyday first baseman, anyways. So it's not like you know, signing yeah. you know James McCann rules out the the Mets for JT Romuto. It's not one of those situations, right? So I don't think no matter what happens, because there's not a big time first baseman free agent on the market that would like warrant playing every day. Um, I don't think anything that might happen this offseason will rule out Zim completely. Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point is I I remember that about last year, just kind of thinking he'll be there at the end and we can figure it out. It just seems weird that they're out actively shopping for first baseman. Could also I, be like I think March it's March 15th and he'll sign. You know, that man hates spring training, so he's going to like stay away from me if they ever come. Especially with COVID and, you know, all that stuff like he's he opted out of last season due to COVID. So, you know, he's going to want to wait as long as possible before he signs back on. And if he's going to be a platoon guy anyways, hell, he could sign in July and, you know, it would be fine. Yeah, that's a good point. Can I ask you guys a question? You can. Um, at this point, you know, wacky offseason, which I feel like we talk about every single offseason, it being wacky for one reason or another. But it seems like, and I think Ryan pointed this out, um, Every free agent that has signed has signed for above their projected this was projected AAV. One big thing. Oh, uh, my bad. I, so I won't go. I won't go too into that. That's not really my point. It's just like a, a minor note. Would you rather, you know, should let's say JT Robmuto, because I still firmly believe he's going to take a one-year deal. Um, would you rather get Real Muto for like a one-year, twenty million dollar deal? and get these tiny, tiny, you know, pieces around him, nothing that moves the needle. You know, we're talking smaller than the Castro move, right? Would you rather that, or would you rather what the Nats typically do and get, you know, the Castro, the Cabrera, the, you know, kind of minor pieces instead of that one big piece and even lesser pieces? Does that make sense? If they sign the lesser pieces and a bunch of them trying to do, like, quantity over quality they will be a fourth place team they need a, a big bat in any position it's, like, it's what i'm thinking as well yeah, yeah. Like I, I keep seeing people say well real muto is like he's not um shoot what's the word oh my god what's worth it no 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 when um shoot because they already have a catcher oh my god what's the word it is a necessity yeah he's not a necessity he would be um like a prize or whatever it was um luxury luxury there we go yes they need a bat at any position as long as it's not a shortstop you try to sign him right like they need someone anywhere so like if you can get real muto for a one two-year deal do it if you can get real muto for a four or five-year deal i would still do it now i wouldn't give him 125 million but you're getting the best catcher in the game um you also have the how best old is he this year i think he's 30 or 30, 30. or 31 yeah, yeah. Get- oh he's a youngster on this club exactly <laughs> He's the best offensive, and you're still getting prime years. Yeah. I think the that's the biggest point. Catcher in baseball, and then you can also just move him to first base in a year or two. 
Um, or right, and he's still a valuable trade piece. If two years or three years down the road, you feel like okay, you know, you've got two years left on a contract, you gave him a big deal, and you, you know, the the club is a shambles, and you don't need him anymore. You know what I mean? Then you could trade him. It's not like. He's going to have trade value. Pitchers have better numbers when they pitch to him. He is a fantastic catcher. Right, a defensive catcher. He's fantastic. Well, he's he's both. Like, he can hit and play defense. Like, his frame rate is the best in the game. Pitchers love pitching him because he steals a lot of strikes, and he's also hard to steal on. There's a lot of bonuses there. Now, if you want to get into the money of it, then that will get a little interesting because the Nats have a lot of issues. And if they sign – well, either way, like if they sign a big bat, that's going to live with them anyway, so that doesn't matter. But I don't know. I would I would take him over the little moves. You know, you guys know how, you know, I can't think of an example right now. Like I want to say Juan Soto, but that's too good of an example. But you, you guys know how there's those players around the league that are, you know, only in the lineups because of how good their bat is. Similar to Howie Kendrick, but, you know, their their bat forces the issue and you just take whatever defense they can give you. Yeah. Right? That's typically – you know, if you flip that, you take the defense and then you just, you know, take whatever they give you at the plate. That's typically what the catcher position is. So when you get not only the best defensive catcher, which is typically what teams stress at the catcher position anyways, when you can get the best defensive catcher and you get some semblance of offense, right? We're not talking JT Romuto is like, you know, a Hank Aaron award winner catcher. That's not what we're saying, but for a, you know, for a catcher, his numbers are essentially, you know, elite level when it comes to just catchers and that makes it worth it. Plus we have a hole open, you know, at first base so we can platoon essentially JT Real Muto and Jan Gomes. And then you essentially platoon JT Real Muto and Zimmerman or, you know, some lefty first baseman like Moreland or uh, um, whoever, right? You can do that. And I get, you know, if it, it was, we could only plug him in at catcher, I kind of get some of the arguments against JT Romuto that I'm seeing. But if you really think about it and you can get a one-year, two-year deal, I don't see how you can say no. You know, beggars can't be choosers. We are begging for a big bat right now. You cannot be picky about it. You just can't. I As just, we to saw, answer your question, I would take him and just little moves around him. That's that's my oh, opinion me too. To that yeah. 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 As we saw this week, we saw the Athletics say the Nats have the worst non-shortstop infield situation in baseball. <laughs> that was ML- funny. And then MLB.com said the Nats are trying to create any, literally any type of offense outside of Trey and Juan. You have to take what you can get. Um, and that's all I'll say on that because I feel like we'll talk about Real Muto quite a bit this offseason. Seems likely. All right. Uh, let's see. What do we got next, Ryan? You got um, a uh, so, new segment for us. Yes, we have a new segment this week. Um, we are going to be doing a poll every single week. It's going to be called the Manscaped Poll of the Week. <laughs> We're going to start. Poll. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> wow. See, now who's not keeping it clean? <laughs> well, it was my idea. So <laughs> We are. We're going to start by doing our top four players at positions. We're going to be doing two every episode. Um, the two position groups we're doing today are third base and shortstop. So Amanda has more polls to lose in as Nick just whooped her in this poll. So Nick and wins. And you. I win. 
when Nick wins, I win. Oh, please. So, uh, also, <laughs> you were so right, Nick. I will give you props on Soto. Uh, the, the Nats fan base just went oh, nuts. Everybody no, votes all, for Soto. That's all they saw. They're like, you know, like, and I said this to Nick, like, you know, in Toy Story where the, like the little green things, like the claw. That's how Nats <laughs> fans are with Soto. Like, I get yeah. it. Like, I love the guy. but I love the guy, too. I get ah, it. <laughs> like, it was pandering. It. It, was, it was a good play. It, it thank was you. well done pandering. Thank you. It was pandering, but I also genuinely believed it, too. If Soto, I even said this after the draft pick, if Soto was 27, I would have taken Trout. But Soto was 22. It's impossible not to take him, in my opinion. In no, my yeah, opinion. I, I agree. I agree. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're doing third baseman and shortstop, right? We're doing third right? base and then shortstop. How this is going to work, we're all just going to say, um, so, like, we'll start with Amanda. Amanda will read her 4 3 two, one. Nick will read her his four three two one. I'll do my four three two one. Then we'll do shortstop, and then we'll post it on Twitter, and you guys will. So vote. it's not a draft. It's not a draft. No, we're saying our top four. And what if we gonna, have the same top four? Well, if the same top four, then we just still have people vote. Like I guarantee, we're not gonna have the same exact top four. So we're just gonna okay. ask people which one they agree with. So we'll. Just uh, I'm go only through. I'm only saying that because I know Amanda's proclivity to just copy our answers. But yeah. <laughs> oh well, how about if I go first and then you yeah. can copy my? Answer. We'll have we'll have Amanda go first. So Amanda, your top four. Oh, answers. so you can set us up for copying your answers. Nice try. <laughs> oh, I oh, see. We're no. on to you. So you'll do your. <laughs> what are we doing four. first? We'll we'll do third base. So you'll do your four three two one. Okay, four three two one on. Okay, I'm gonna go number four. Josh Donaldson, number three, Rendon, two, Bregman, one, Arenado. Interesting. Very interesting. interesting. I have a little tidbits with mine, so I'll go last. Nick, if you want to go. This is tough because there's a lot of, you know, guys. I think we can all agree, like, well, the conversation for best third baseman revolves around three guys. I think we can agree on that that's arenado chapman and rendo i don't think that's necessarily one through three but the conversation certainly revolves around them okay um so i am going to alternate my number four just a little bit go with a little dark horse pick i think that's uh rafael devers um he's been you know so consistently good and has elevated his game to a point where, you know, he's in that top five conversation, certainly. And, you know, he's playing in Boston. He's doing it in a big market. And, you know, the fact that he has had Mookie Betts and Santa Brogos on his team certainly helps. But he's a core cog in that lineup and probably a reason Boston's still going to consider going for it um, because they have him. Number three, I have Matt Chapman. Um, I just don't think his offense is as good as the top two guys but certainly best defensive third baseman out there number two rendon he's the perfect combination of defense even though his defensive metrics aren't great his you know defense as a whole is pretty good and his offense is certainly better than chapman but arguably one of the best in the league and number one i have arenado because like rendon he's best of both worlds but it's just one level up for each offense and defense so, like I said, when Nick wins, I win. And when I win, Nick wins. Um, we have the top four, just not in the same order. Ooh. Um, I also have little, little stats about them. 
Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman's the number four third base in baseball. He's the best defensive player in the entire league. He's a platinum defender at third. He is an unreal rock at the hot corner, and his defensive metrics are stupid. So that's why I'm at number four. Um, I have Rafael Devers at three. In a couple years, he will be number one. Um, how good is he? So he just turned 24, right? He was the youngest player in Red Sox history to record 200 hits in a season. Um, he had the most hits ever in Red Sox history for a player under 23. He's the fourth youngest player in Major League Baseball history to record 100 RBIs in a season. And he was the third youngest player in MLB history to have 90 plus extra base hits in a season. And he was the third, sorry, and he was the youngest third baseman to ever do that. He is special talent. He just turned 24, and he's unreal. And then second, we have Rendon. We all know how great Rendon is. Um, he was the first third baseman a couple years ago since Chipper Jones to slash at least 300, 400, 500 in one season. Pretty good company for doing some Chipper Jones did. And then number one is real self-explanatory. It's Nolan Arenado. He's the gold standard right now for third base. As long as he's playing the way he is, he is the best. But again, I think that's going to be Devers in a couple years. So those are our top fours. Nick and I have the same, but that's fine. We'll still put them all out and have people either they can vote and then talk about how they think. So I'll start with the top four shortstop in baseball. Um, number four, I do have Glaber Torres. He is a minus defender, but his bat is absolutely special. Um, he had the second most home runs by shortstop before 23 and major league history and he's second and many more other offensive shortstop stats the only other person who's better than him was a rod and we all know how incredibly special a rod was even before the steroids so he's an elite company um there's also a bunch of yankee records that he set again if you're in your early 20s and you're setting records for a franchise like the yankees you're pretty damn good and glaber torres is in that elite um Oh, wait, no, he was number three. Oh, well, I'll say he's number four. Um, pretty elite territory. So he's number four. Um, real number four was Tatis, but I'll say Tatis is three. Um, he's young. He is, going to be the, he is going to be the face of baseball eventually. He is so marketable, something like we haven't really seen since Bryce. His numbers are unreal. And also you look at the fact um, just how good he is and how special he is on all sides of the ball. He's a four-tool player, which is rare. Um, and also bold prediction, I mean bold prediction, he's going to have a better full career than Acuna and Soto. Tatis wow. is very special. Um, full no, career? Full career. At the end of it, when all three retire, I think Tatis will have the best career of all three of them. That's hot. Because That is hot. a hot take right <laughs> no, there. No, for sure. And I don't hate it. Um, he's definitely going to be more marketable than Soto or Acuna, but he's also the only one of the three that has had – injuries and he's had him in both seasons hey but i like it i like it i'm not trying yeah i'm not trying to poo-poo on your 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 (laughs) hot take i'll Um, never be that guy and then number two trevor story back-to-back seasons with 35 plus home runs for a shortstop is incredibly elite territory he's elite defender which is why he's second um he's also great on the road so everyone who's like the core is a fact he kind of puts that to shame just like dj lemay did absolutely great and number one, who is the most underrated player in baseball, that's Xander Bogarts. Yep. Xander Bogarts is the best shortstop in baseball. How good is he? Well, mm-hmm. I'm glad you asked. 
Um, he was the first shortstop since A-Rod to have 50-plus doubles and 30-plus home runs in the same season. Him and Rafael Devers are the youngest duo in MLB history to both have 90-plus extra base hits in the season. He's a three-time Silver Slugger, top five in MVP votes twice, and he's only getting better, and he literally just turned 28. The future is very bright in Boston. Devers and Xander are special, and Xander Bogarts is the best shortstop in baseball. So those are my top four. All right. My number four is uh, Fernando Tatis. Uh, Ryan did a great job of explaining to it. I have him a little bit lower just because of sample size. Um, he's gotten hurt well, in both seasons. Four, but I forgot to write him down. This is fair. This is fair. Um, I had him a little bit lower. Um because uh, of the injuries and, and the, the sample size. But I think he has a bright future. He's going to be the face of baseball. You know, the Padres are a fun team to root for right now. But he's at the center of that. You know, Slam Diego was like one of the highlights of the 2020 season. And again, he was at the center of that. The dude is so marketable, great personality, fun to root for. Um, but as a shortstop, he's pretty damn good too. Uh, number three, kind of declining a little bit, but I – I think once he gets out of the Cleveland baseball team organization, uh, he's going to improve. And that's Francisco Lindor. I hope and pray that the Blue Jays make a move for him because Toronto, you know, is a fun place. Like when they're good, they're fun to root for. You know, you think about Jose Bautista in the bat flip, you know, that kind of era of the Blue Jays baseball. I think Francisco Lindor and his bright personality, his big smile would be perfect for that. But again, also a damn good shortstop. I'm at number three, despite a, a weird 2020 season. You can kind of just throw that out. And then number two, same as Ryan. Number two, Trevor Story. Unreal power um, and, you know, high-level defense. But number one, Xander Bogarts. You know, I've been on this train with Ryan for a while. Definitely the most underrated player in baseball, especially with Mookie Betts gone. Right? The, if you think about what the Red Sox, the Red Sox and Nats actually have a lot of similarities in what they've done. Right? Um, if you think about the Red Sox trading Mookie Betts, it's because they had guys like Devers, who I mentioned before, and Xander Bogarts to lean on. The Nats let Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon go, which is coming back to bite them, but it's because they had guys like Juan Soto and Trey Turner to lean on. Xander Bogarts is the best shortstop in baseball, and we need to start talking about it. It's not, you know, not talked about enough. But Xander Bogarts is so elite, and Boston absolutely got a steal when they extended him before, you know, the shortstop market is about to explode with guys like Lindor, um, Story, and Trey Turner. Absolute steal for Boston. Yeah, you know, doing a little thinking on this topic when you guys sent me a note earlier to say we were going to do shortstops tonight makes me realize just how many damn good shortstops there are in baseball they're right young now. too yeah it's really really hard to pick so i think we've got the same group although mine are in a different order um i've got tatis at four did we all have tatis at four technically yeah. but yeah. Ryan switches. So I, I almost had him higher but you know i think i i think i had a little bit of a bias there thinking that I, i'm looking to the future instead of yeah, I also think he'll move up after a full 2021 season, at least for my list. He certainly will. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. He's, uh, he's just – the future's so bright for him. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's just one of those guys, like you said, marketable. He's so good. He's just a fun player to watch. The, the, whole, the whole team was really fun to watch in 2020, and I think they're even going to take a step forward this year. So that one's fun. I have Xander Bogart's third. 
Um, even oh, just talked about him. I know. Well, this was hard because I wanted to put him higher, but then I'm looking at the guys above him and I, I don't know. I just had a hard time deciding who to go where because they're all good choices. I've got Trevor Story at second. Um, I don't know. Again, oh, Lindor first. Lindor. I've got Lindor okay. first. But again, I felt like all of these guys were so close that it was hard to even choose. It was almost like you could throw a dart and pick which one of them you would put in what order. But I was going to pick uh, Trey Turner number one because the Soto thing worked so well for you in the last poll. <laughs> but I went ahead and, and stuck with what actually made sense because I love Trey Turner, but he ain't on this list. It's also, yeah, it's just so deep that, you know, Trey Turner being like the seventh or eighth best shortstop isn't a knock on him. It's just no. the position is so deep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that is our top four rankings at third and short. We'll have the graphic up this week and next week we will do second and first base. All right. Amanda, who was your third best third baseman? Um, who did I put third? Did you say Bregman? No, I had Bregman second. I had Rendon third. Oh, okay. I switched that up. Okay. And then Donaldson fourth. Yeah. I just want to make sure I get the graphic right. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, um, kind of a short episode tonight. Not too much going on, but let's each give our one big thing before we go. Ryan, we know yours, so why don't you get into it? Yeah, I'll start. So all we kept hearing about was, ah, the COVID market, you know, these poor billionaire owners, they lost so much money. You know, the market's really going to take its hit. That's, that's a lie. Um, so, like, only one guy has signed more than two years, but we knew going into this offseason it was going to be a bunch of one- and two-year deals. Um, <clears throat> one, because the owners were going to use the COVID excuse, and also players want the one- or two-year deals with the new CBA coming because they want to see how that is going to impact everything. So a lot of guys are not going to sign that long-term deal because they're going to see, hey, how is CBA going to impact free agency in the market going forward? So you have a lot of that uncertainty. So, you know, guys are going to look for the one, the two-year deals. And then also, every single person not named David Dahl has signed pretty well above market value. Like, Which the Nets should have signed David Dahl, by the way, yeah, no, if, three, it, if that was the contract. Man, three mil. Um, yeah, when it came out, I was like, really? We couldn't do that? I he, he has a lot of injury concerns. That's why he's got three mil. Th- but but like, three mil. I know. A huge <laughs> upgrade over Eaton. Jesus. And then Adam Eaton got $8 million. Like, there was talks that Adam Eaton was just going to get a spring training invite, and the man got $8 freaking million. James McCann was a lifelong backup, and he was projected to get $6 million. He got $40 million, and he's getting $10 million a year. Carlos Santana was looking at 6 to $7 million. He's getting $9.5 million AAB. And then you look at the pitchers. Every single pitcher has signed well above value. Like, Mike uh, Miner did. Charlie Morton did. Um, who's the other pitcher the Braves signed? I'm blanking on them. Uh, Smiley. Smiley, yeah. Smiley signed freaking $11 million. Everyone who Which signs... Which he was projected like $4 million. <laughs> Exactly. That's crazy. Do you guys think we're just going to see fewer deals this year, but I think, at higher values? Because teams are just going to be like, well, let's just sign one or two guys and then ride with what we've got instead of making a bunch of deals. So, like, we knew coming into this offseason, the big guys were going to get paid. George Springer is going to get paid, right? And the fact that, like, McCann, all these other guys are getting higher AAV, that helps JT Romito. That is one less team in on him. But the fact that a backup who's not nearly as – who's good, but not nearly as good as Romito got $10 million, helps him. You know, Ozuna's going to get paid. Romito, um, 
Springer is going to get paid. Bauer, those guys are going to get paid. And we're worried about the secondary market. The market's moving slow. We knew that was going to happen. It's moved slow each of the last three years. But like the secondary market, these guys are getting paid. A couple of years ago, these guys were taking minor, these guys were taking minor league deals or league minimums. And now we got them getting 8 million, 10 million, which I think is a really good sign. I think a part of that is, like you said, these teams are just going to do one to two year deals and players know if they take the one to two year deals, they get a higher AAV. You take the longer deal, your AAV comes down. Like the Phillies did with Bryce, they made it 13 years to bring his AAV down a pretty good chunk. So like we kind of see that and it's the opposite, less years, higher AAV. So the fact that's going to be one to two year deals, all these guys are going to get overpaid, which again, the COVID losses aren't true. I just, I got, I just want to keep reiterating that, right? When any company says they lost blank amount, their projected revenue just came in less than what they thought. They still made $7 billion. It's just the COVID market is so far a lie. And I really feel like Trevor Bauer and those guys are going to get a lot more than they thought. Like DJ LeMay is going to get $100 million. He was rejected $68 million in the offseason. So I'm kind of excited once it starts moving. But yeah, my one big thing of the week is the free agent, the COVID market is a lie. Everyone's getting paid. All right. Nick, what you got? So mine was kind of like a last minute kind of at the buzzer type thing. I'm going to talk about the the former Indians, now Cleveland baseball team, um, and tied into what I've been saying about the Nats. And I haven't been the only one. Uh, Ryan and uh, even Amanda, you agreed with it too. Uh, The fact that the Nats need an identity, right? Cleveland is so frustrating because you know you think about these teams that they put out in the past you know even 10 years like spanning a full decade uh, they put out solid teams and if they would just spend money they would probably have a world series to show for it they took the cubs to seven games and that cubs team was really really good but the cleveland indians probably should have won that series and would have had they spend money but you know that that's not my point they're at a crossroads now. Corey Kluber's gone. Mike Clevenger's gone. Francisco Lindor is soon to follow. You know, but they still have foundational pieces. They have still a great starting rotation, which makes no sense. They just pump out pitchers. What's that like? That must be nice. Um, <laughs> Shane Bieber. Uh, I can't we'll remember. Ryan, what's the other douchebag's name um, who did that COVID video? Zach. Oh, uh, Zach, please, Zach. Plesak, thank you. But he's a, he's a good pitcher. They have Tristan McKenzie, who's, you know, thrown, he's like 140 pounds soaking wet, but throws over 100. Um, you know, their starting rotation is really good. But again, they're not spending money. But again, they're at a crossroads. They made the decision, and it was the right decision to get rid of Chief Wahoo. And since then, They've had an identity crisis. They haven't had a path. They haven't had an identity. They had the block C, but no one, no one likes that, right? It, it's so boring because, again, there, there's no personality behind it. Not that there's much personality in, in Cleveland to begin with, but they have an opportunity now to make a change, and I think that's what more baseball teams need to do. They need to get more fun. They need to have more life. They need to have more personality. And should they go to something – like the spiders, there's a lot of stuff you can do with that. Or, you know, make it somewhat, you know, tipping your hat towards the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is, you know, right there. But point being, they have the opportunity to 
create an identity for themselves and rebrand themselves as this young, fun team. It's going to take a lot of work, right? But there's no reason they can't be just like the Padres, just like the, the Blue Jays. They're the young, and the White Sox, the young, fun teams to root for. The Indians have those young studs. Shane Bieber, arguably the best pitcher in baseball, at least second best behind Jacob DeGrom. So why not, you know, market your team, market your guys, make it fun, bring some personality to Cleveland, make them fun to root for. Like, why just tear it down and, you know, be left with nothing and, you know, just accept mediocrity. I hate that. So I'm hoping and praying that, you know, Cleveland makes the most of this opportunity, makes it fun, makes it a whole ordeal so we can get some sort of news in this baseball offseason. But I also hope more teams follow suit, you know, bring better jerseys out. Baseball's just so stuffy that, you know, I'm looking and grasping at any opportunity for baseball to, you know, get some life restored back to it. And I hope the Nats follow. We've talked a ton in the, the past few weeks about their jerseys, how the Nats need an identity. They just won the World Series, so we're probably not going to see a huge rebrand anytime soon. And I'm not saying they need to change their name, but, you know, I'm hoping baseball as a whole collectively just instill some life and, you know, makes it less stuffy. Look at the Players Weekend. The Players Weekend, the jerseys were literally all white and all black. That's the state of baseball right now. <laughs> In a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're going to see. It's changing, though. It's a slow change. I mean, there's a slow part of baseball that's slow. not going to let it happen if they can help it, but it's going to happen. They, the younger players are coming we up. Saw, I, hate, I hate the boomers that just hate change, that don't like things changing in their sport. They don't let good progress happen. Don't you just hate that, Amanda? Oh, yeah, I hate people who like everything changing just for the sake of changing. I like. Oh, see, that's like, that, that's not me though. That's yeah. Not me. Who said anything about you? I thought we were talking about hypotheticals. <laughs> 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 Anyways, uh, no, I like a lot of the like. I love bat flips. I love the fun stuff. I'm not against any of that. There's a lot of things I like. I don't like a lot of the rules changes, but I I think baseball needs to be a lot more fun. It needs to appeal to a, a larger audience, and I think this stuffy unwritten rules keep your head down and never smile crap is terrible amanda's gonna roll her eyes at this but they really need to take notes from golf golf had a really bad reputation and it was the gentleman's game this is how you play and then tiger woods came along and then changed it and then recently they're making it more fun there was a whole new era of all these young golfers and now there's a huge uptick in golf appealing to younger generation and their ratings. And it's are gonna up happen in baseball. I really believe yeah. that because it because it's it's already you happening. You, and it's not the baseball itself may not embrace it, but it's gonna happen organically. It's already happening. That's what I mean. It, it may not be fast, but it's gonna happen. It's already you've already got people who are you're not really seeing people get thrown at anymore for pimping a home run. Like it's already changing. Yeah. I, I just want it to be less stuffy. I mean, Ryan and I were talking about it, you know, earlier today. We just love New Jersey's as well. Like, if there's a New Jersey, I am the first in line to buy it. You are you know, such a mark for new stuff. Every shout time shout out Reverse stuff. Retro. Shout out Reverse <laughs> Retro. Um, but I love New Jersey's. I love, and yeah. like I said to Ryan, the, New Jersey's are always good news, even if they suck, because then there's a Twitter, you know, roast session on them about how much the New Jersey suck or they're awesome. And, you know, you drive in business, you get fans excited and, you know, you get cool merch. 
Yeah. And I, I like to me, the, the reverse retros were fine. They, were, they weren't awful, but they didn't really do much for me. Just uh, they were the best selling reverse retro. I gotcha. I'm simply saying they're just a red jersey like the home jerseys already are with you, a you eagle one, instead of a weagle. It's just a different. Did you buy one? Just, no. Oh, well, th- th- that's disappointing. No, Big I, fan, I, I mean, they're I, nice. I, they're nice, I guess. But they just, to me, you had such an opportunity to do something much cooler than that. I loved them. I loved them. So. I know you were, you were all like, do I get this one or that one? And then you could get one. And it was, it was the PS5 all over again. It was a terrible situation. So thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> all right. I'm going on to my one big thing, which is I read an article in the athletic that I wanted to bring up. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw it. If you're not, you both or the listeners still aren't subscribed to The Athletic. What are you doing with your life? It is not that expensive and the hey, no free is ads. so, so good. Anyway, our pal um, who was on the show recently, Britt Giroli, and also two other authors, Melissa Lockhart and Eno Saris, I hope I'm saying that correctly, um, wrote a really great article about what the lost major or minor league season last year means for injuries for the players who didn't get a chance to play for a whole year and what that means for the development pipeline for the the farm systems in the major league clubs and it is a fascinating and fantastic read so uh, everybody go out and read that i still think they're running some kind of special so you can do it cheaper maybe you could get some free articles to try them out but it is so good and it's, it's long and really involved and just gives you a really interesting insight from the perspective they they talk to a lot of gms and and managers and you know lower level coaching staff on a lot of the major league clubs and in the minor league clubs about what this all means and it's it's really hard to like analyze the long range the the wide ranging and long-term effects of an entire season of none of the prospects playing and uh, what it could mean for the teams thinking, hey, maybe we don't need our minor league systems as much because we have these alternate training sites and maybe we can screw around with that system. There's just so much that could potentially be negative effects of what happened this year. And uh, I don't know It's they compare it to World War Two when a lot of players got you know drafted and had to go fight and missed a season or two and what the projections if you look at their careers afterwards how the careers of the guys who missed a year were different than the guys who didn't so it's just awesome go out find it read it i think it was called everyone lost the minor leagues canceled season will reverberate for years it's terrific we didn't talk about i guess we can kind of talk about it now the nats uh picking their minor league affiliates um or solidifying them yeah, well, maybe we should do a segment on that in the next episode where we can explore it. Okay, fine. Depth. We won't do it now. Well, I was just thinking we could, you know, go into each one and what the differences are in the history of True. the clubs. Like, if you want to, we could do it now. But I just we could do. Long it. story short, much better than what it was before. Certainly. Yes. All East Coast, all within what three, four hours at the most. I think Rochester is yeah. the farthest. Rochester is the farthest away, and it's the highest level. But again, still manageable distance. So good news hopefully it results in better output from their minor league system yes well it could hardly go down (laughs) (laughs) nowhere to go but up that's looking at the one can hope (laughs) all right we got anything else before we go uh nope uh i need jarvis landry to go off tomorrow night and if you're listening jarvis uh i would appreciate it thanks oh yeah and shout out to the washington football team for their fourth win in a row 
sitting pretty on top of the NFC East. 77% chance of making the playoffs after the after this game. Today. I saw that they Just had throwing the, um, that out there. What's it, what's his name? The guy dealt the presidential elections. I saw that. That was funny. To quote Mr. John Walton, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, okay yeah. to believe. It's okay to believe. <laughs> it's okay to believe you're in the worst division in the history of the They're going to shock, know, so shock the world. Who would they I'll play? Oh, they would play. I think it's Tampa, the Tampa, Tampa? Bay Rays. Tampa. Oh. Like, they would get Tampa or Seattle, then their offense that scores like six points. Oh, oh man, <laughs> Seattle at home at PTSD FedEx. i of playing yeah. Seattle in the first round of the playoffs. No, thank you yeah. for that. Because nothing bad happened the last time they played Seattle at home. Hey, that was hey, the 2012 RG3 injury game, wasn't it? That, that, yes, that's what I was alluding to. Yeah. No, thank you on that. That's a big no. Well, that's true. You, any Washington team has to exercise their demons on the way to a championship. We've known this. That is that's the formula right. for success. As long as we're uh, quoting John Walton, I guess we should. We should go that same path, take the Caps route. Yeah, it sure would be fun for them to make the playoffs. Obviously, the NFC East is dreadful, and the team isn't very good. But you know what? Honestly, they're 6-7. and seven. That's a lot more respectable than I thought it was going to end up. They were 3-13 and 13 last year, so it's certainly improvement. And I don't know. I just feel like after having been a Washington football fan my entire life, like I have exceedingly low expectations. There's very little they have to do to make me happy. Key to happy life, low expectations. That's right. So my mom always told me, key to happiness is low expectations. Fantastic <laughs> piece of advice. Anyway, it's a little depressing. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why All my right. mom didn't like me then. <laughs> okay, that just took a really depressing turn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was good talking to you guys. Thank you all, as always, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Um, follow us on Twitter so you can check out those polls. Not polls, exactly. It's a vote on which of our uh, rankings. Manscaped poll of the week. Manscaped yeah. poll of the week. So um, A White, 7877 for me, at DC Shack for Ryan, at Half Shack Cat for Nick. You can follow our digital media coordinator at OPT at One Pursuit Takes and our blog coordinator, our contributor, Monty, at MDT 06181815 and the show at Half Street High Heat. Talk to you guys next week. Promo code HSHH20 on Manscaped. Oh, yeah. I got to throw that back out there. Manscaped.com. Promo code HSHH20. Half Street High Heat 20. Go order your Christmas presents. Everybody you know will thank you for them. And go visit Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> Later. <laughs> There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. We're gonna win today. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're fucking curly W's and every book Let's go Nats, 
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.